Hey everyone and welcome to episode 52 of Double DM. Niels and I are very happy to have you here and I don't want to keep you guys too long, so let's start with pre-show business. First up, a super huge announcement. We made 3000 listens on this podcast. 3000 listens in under a year of podcasting is amazing for us. And we want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who supported us on the way, especially the Unchapped crew and the Hope for TTRPG's Discord server have helped us so much in growing and they deserve my and Niels's undying gratitude. Okay, moving on. Why your world matters. Okay, no, no, no. I mean, 3,000 listens, that's so amazing. Really, thank you guys. I really didn't think that this would be possible in our first year. And here we are. <sighs> okay. Why Your World Matters 3 is still in production, but it's coming along nicely and will be out after the DDM anniversary episode. Yes, you heard that right. Niels and I will also have an anniversary episode. Episode 54, which will be the first episode after our anniversary on February 7, is gonna be us talking about our first year, experiences, insight, and a lot of different stuff. So be on the lookout for that. And for Wire World Matters, obviously, as well. Another thing is, if you want to see me play a too old for this shit fighter, especially a dwarven one, go over to check these out on Friday at 7pm UK time or 2pm EST for a one-shot DM by marker called The Trojans, where I and Josh from Check These Out and Jess from Just the Human delve deep into dwarven mines to find the mining company that went missing. It was a ton of fun to play and I can't wait to watch it all over again on Twitch. And as always at the end of the pre-show, if you haven't already, please rate this podcast. You know you want to and hey, it costs you no time and no money to give us a 5 stars and support the show that way. You can also leave a review that tells people why you like the show. This is seriously the best way to support us and we appreciate it very much. Okay, enough of pre-show business, let's dive into rewards. Hello everyone, welcome to the next episode of Double DM Podcast, where I annoy Niels. Yeah, you do. Hello. How are you doing? I I was doing fine. <laughs> no, I, no, I'm I'm actually pretty good. A little tired overall because of college stuff, shit, less sleep, scheduling before. When yeah. did you go to sleep? At 12 p.m. 12 a.m. whatever it is midnight midnight exactly okay i mean that's still manageable Th then. that's definitely manageable but overall in the last couple of weeks yeah sleep has been i mean i saw you on discord discord playing when i went to sleep so i uh yeah. i just wanted to know if you've played for way longer than me or you really just went to bed anyway N not way longer just played some games on tabletop simulator and then at midnight i said okay guys gotta get going See ya, basically. Yeah. So, how was your week? It was fine. It didn't didn't happen much. As in a TTRPG sense, there was a lot that happened, but generally, there didn't. There wasn't anything really. Just a lot of work and you uh, and university stuff. But that's basically it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the TTRPG session was great. I talked about it in the last episode that we were in this dragon paradise and called all the dragons to arrive. And well, 
let's say that they did. At the start of the session, we noticed the first dragon coming. And, oh boy, we did not expect this to be such a moment, but it obviously was a moment. The first dragon arriving to paradise, which basically rung the bell on our penultimate adventure. Okay, so it's really getting in the in the thick of it now. and the thing the funny thing about it was that um we there was a, there's a portal to this special realm mm -hmm. and that dragon came through that portal and we thought every dragon would come to that portal but no 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 no. a little time after that dragon flew away again and did some stuff he wanted to do fine we didn't know the dragon as well we, we know a few dragons, but we didn't know that one. There was this big explosion. Thunder, rolling thunder in the sky. And literally a portal opened above us. And the dragon that uh, has sent us on this quest. One of our party members, our wizard slash, um, let's call him Blade, Sing Blade Singer Wizard or Blade. Um, he's good with the sword, but he also casts spells all the time. Who is a servant of that dragon. Okay. And we were sent on this quest. And then he came and yeah that was a big deal and he had um his his cohorts of other dragons with him of smaller dragons with him and it was this epic image then there was another uh, one and that was his son who hates us and him and then another portal opened up and then another portal opened up and then another portal and the dragon so started coming so it's the end game scene with all the portals opening up but dragons yes Yes, and one awesome. of the big things is this This game has basically classification of dragons, uh, for example, tree dragons, which are small, uh, forest living dragons, pearl dragons, which are, um, I think, swimming dragons, That th those are water dragons, you have um, a west wind drakes, which are only found on the west coast, and some classification, about, but the biggest classification is emperor dragons. That's just mm -hmm. the the biggest of the best, more or less. And But under those emperor dragons, there's a lot of different, uh, still, hierarchy. And the big brother of our dragon, I, I just call him our dragon, also opened up a portal and had in his cohorts, while the others only had, like, tree dragons and pearl dragons and west wind drakes, he had two emperor drakes in his his cohorts oh yeah his sure, servants sure. were emperor dragons sure as as you do i guess because he's and we struck a deal with that dragon for reasons so we can we, we we struck a, a fire pact with him uh, so we have a strong ally against our uh, arch nemesis to make that deal we gave him a golden armor the size of a dragon he was wearing that oh th that's a power statement yeah that's a power statement oh yeah. and the thing is he and his brother they are on this terms on on this brotherly terms of meh and <laughs> let's call it that that when we told our dragon that we had struck a fire pact with that dragon and that they don't like each other and then suddenly um the problem became that um when we told that to our dragon he said oh you have a pact with that guy i will have to think if i help you again <laughs> yeah <laughs> and all of us went wait why <laughs> help please <laughs> <laughs> no, but the thing is that the six-headed dragon that called the dragon, since there are six dragon lineages from mm -hmm. the six god dragons, and only two heads were awake at the time of calling, we believe only two two lineages to come. One of the one is the um, and now this is German name, but uh, translated to English as best as I can. Purdakorian gen uh, the Purdakorian lineages, which is lineage of our dragon and his brother and his son and all of that. All of those dragons are here, and the lineage of uh, Fuldigor, 
which is uh, another big dragon. And uh, we're also, the fun thing is, we're also there for, to stop the resurrection of Perdakor, the more or less ancestor of our dragon, which is a lot of fun. Because we have a lot of theories that we might have done a big oopsie with calling the dragons. <laughs> but I'm not going to go into that because I still have to confirm that theory with my other players. Oh yeah, I'm excited to hear about the possible oopsie you did with calling dragons and cohorts of emperor dragons. It sounds like a lot of weird, exciting fun. Some fun moments mm -hmm. still in there. Awesome. I also had a session, by the way, uh, not as big as yours. I just improvised a small one-shot because some players, like, they fell ill again. Not, not the same players but of a group of seven people four weren't there so yeah. advancing the story wouldn't feel right so i just improvised a small little one shot where they ha had to go through a maze while they were being hunted by some sort of hunter entity kind of thing mm. and it was it was a lot of fun in regard of being oh we are four people less than expected okay let's do something within the next 20 minutes or something that happened quite often now at your table doesn't it um, yeah, sadly, but in two different groups. Okay, two different groups. Is there a reason that you want to get into? Um, I don't know. I think it's just bad luck because everybody is always excited about the sessions, but then suddenly life happens or internet doesn't happen or illness. It's just a string of bad luck because it's never the same people that can't make it. It's just mm. really, really unfortunate. At least that's what I get from that. I hope it's just unfortunate. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm excited next week on Sunday when the next session airs, uh, when the next episode airs, I probably, hopefully, have a session going then because internet is fixed for the one that couldn't make it last time. One is out of the hospital again and the other two are available. So there's to hoping. <laughs> There will be an awesome session. No one cancels last minute. No one cancels last minute. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't jinx it. Don't. don't. Uh. <laughs> But yeah. A and I did some math regarding D&D. &D okay. Because I just wanted to. But now you need to tell me what you did. Yeah, I, I basically calculated the speed of which a dragon can fly. Mm-hmm being an ancient red dragon mm -hmm. or ancient dragons in general in D&D. &D. Mm -hmm. And I was really, it was really underwhelming when I found out. Okay. It's about 40 kilometers an hour or 25 miles for an ancient red dragon. And I mean, the world record in sprinting is about 37.5 kilometers an hour. That, hmm, I don't know. I mean, is that with the dash action? Yeah, it is. It is the base flying speed plus dash. It comes to about 40 kilometers an hour. Yeah, And then I'm not gonna curious. buy that. Not, not from you, but from the book. Yeah, yeah, that, exactly. Right, the thing is that stat blocks are for combat, and yeah. for me at least, there are combat abilities that are in the stat block, but the dragon can fly faster without combat when, when, when there is no danger and when there is no... At least for me. That, that's... Fuck yeah. no. A, a dragon should be faster than a normal car in Germany. <laughs> it, in a normal car everywhere, basically. Yeah. Yeah, it, this just, it just felt wrong to say a dragon has a maximum flying speed of 25 miles an hour or 40 kilometers. It just doesn't sit right. So I was curious to see how fast the fastest player character can move per round. I found a breakdown where it leads to, I think, about roughly 
2.4 kilometers per round. I was curious how fast this motherfucker would be. And it turns out it would be Mach 1.1, something around 1. Uh, 1,400 But, but, but how? How is that? That's a monk? It is a multi-class thing. Let me look it up if I find it real quick. It's, it's, it's a tabaxi monk. I think it is. Wait a second. It comes to about 7,920 feet per round. Mm -hmm. That would be 10 levels of Monk, Way of the Ascended Dragon, 5 levels Barbarian, 2 levels of Wizard Blade Singing, 2 levels of Fighter, and 1 level of Sorcerer Wild Magic. The base speed would be 30 feet, plus 20 for the unarmored movement from the Monk, plus 10 feet for the fast movement of the Barbarian, plus 15 from the Elk Totem Barbarian, plus 10 from the Blade Song, plus 10 from the Long Strider, plus 10 from the mobile feat, plus 10 from major beneficial property artifacts, two times, plus 10 from the transmuter stone, plus 30 boon of speed. Wherever this came from, it is listed in a huge list of, uh, or a huge breakdown. Mm -hmm. Then you have the base, uh, the haste spell, the boots mm -hmm. of speed, and the feline agility which gives you a two times multiplier three times. Then you'd use your base movement speed, your action, your bonus action, step of the wind, your hasted action, your action search, and your wild magic action. So you come to about 7,920 feet per round. And if you calculate it, blah, 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 come to about 1,400 kilometers an hour. And then I was curious to see two things. The kinetic energy this thing has when it moves and how many g-forces if it would have if it would to stop immediately mm -hmm. and it turns out you have a kinetic energy of around six million joules um ow. that's the explosion force of around six sticks of dynamite yeah something along those lines one stick of dynamite has one megajoule uh, one million joule would be one stick of dynamite and yeah you if you would stop within the time span of one second you wouldn't experience a negative 41 g's so you would probably turn into raspberry jam mm. and then i looked up the damage that a stick of dynamite does and was again a little underwhelmed because if you string six uh, sticks of tnt together it would deal 8d6 damage <laughs> and if <laughs> some motherfucker moves at mach 1.1 and punches me in the face i want to die <laughs> i want to die <laughs> so does he but anyways i mean the thing is about especially damage it's if you think about it there's so many instances where you know it's just such a superficial number that doesn't make sense i mean yeah. contact right i'm talking i talk so much shit about the system but i still played it for six years in our first adventure my players had a, had around 12 kilograms of C4. Oh, that's a lot of damage. They they prepped a certain airlock where they were and trapped the monster in there and detonated everything at the same time. Okay. The damage one two kilograms of the C4 did was 250 damage plus 12d12 if you're in the immediate radius. And I said, yeah, the monster's in the immediate radius of all of them. It's just the easiest. I want them to destroy it at that point. Then they calculated the damage which was 250 times 6 plus 6 times 12 d12. Mm -hmm. They calculated the damage. That was and 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 the game had stats for a nuke, a literal atomic bomb that did less damage than the twelve kilograms of C4 through mm. that monster. Yeah, okay, what the hell? If you drop that nuke right on the top of the fucking monster, that would have done less damage. Okay, and yeah. that's just because they never thought in game design that them, that someone would stick twelve kilograms of C4 together and use them because one is enough. <laughs> 
for anything. Nothing in the in the monster manual for that game has more than 200 HP. Okay. C4 yeah. is not meant to be put on people. Yeah. But it is still effective against people anyway. Oh yeah. So yeah. But math can be fun in those instances. Yeah, yeah, right. It's it's there's so much um the numbers and, and that's why I always tell people that they shouldn't just adhere to the numbers of the game they're playing. Exactly. They should, I mean, it's the game, right? You should play after the rules, in my yeah. opinion, right? But really, if you stick so close to the rules that you have to adhere by the numbers, at some point it's just going to break because for the ease and, and the sanity of the game designers, even, they can't think of everything. Exactly. You can build the weirdest shit because as a whole, the player base of a game has way more weird ideas on what you can mix and match to get the most out of a certain aspect of things than you can ever think of as a single person. Yeah, I mean, even if it's a whole design team, they never have the capacity to think about everything. And exactly, we just need to respect that. Yeah, so if you want weird shit to happen, let that weird shit happen and don't stick too close to the rules in those instances mm -hmm. because they can break the fun sometimes Yeah, in, in those instances. Because if you put the time and effort in to build the fastest runner ever to outrace fucking airplanes then let that happen sure but, why not but keep in mind the consequences of what would happen if they run that fast and stop and blah 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 mm. make the game your own and have fun with it yeah that's basically it with that we should get into today's topic Mm -hmm. Gemfirefly.com combines nerdy interests and aesthetic attitude into one awesome store. Find shirts of the highest quality and softest comfort along with home items such as mugs, blankets and flags. Collections like the dungeon glitch Gigi designs or the spicy not safe for work section offer a variety of unique graphics perfect for your message, attitude and lifestyle. Profits from the shop have planted thousands of trees to fight hunger and climate change while also supporting notable charities and game community causes. Check out the link below or visit Gemfirefly.com and skim your favorite shirts right now and with that welcome back to the episode about rewards well 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 so first of all let's get our basis done what is a reward as always we discuss what is the thing we're actually talking about right yeah okay what is a reward well anything you give your players to reward them <laughs> obviously right yeah but what does rewarding actually mean? The first big thing is making your players happy. Yeah. It, it is hugely important in rewards that they make your players happy because that's more or less the whole point in the game. Yeah. I, I would say, what does it mean to reward someone, right? Is a question that is very, very huge. But yeah, making the players happy, right? It's positive encouragement, kind of, right? They yeah. do something and you deem that as rewardable and then give them something we will get into the something in a bit that is meant to enforce them that, that what they did was right was good was was fun one thing though that i need to say about reward right you said rewards should make players happy and that's that that's part of the game but one thing you need to realize is that often playing the game already is a reward for the players. Yeah. If the game you're playing is fun for everyone, that is kind of a reward. So <laughs> without diving too much into this, 
Think about your game as something your players look forward to throughout the week because they are, right? This is yeah. DM encouragement because I know some DMs have often the jitters when it comes to, am I doing a good job? Am I, are they having fun? Your players look forward to this all week. They might have had a shitty work week. They might have had some messy things in their life, had a lot of trouble and come to your table to relax and play a game. And think about your game as a reward to your players after they've had a hard week. So make it fun for them. Definitely. And normal, every DM does that. If your players are having fun, you're rewarding them with playing. But obviously, playing the game itself shouldn't be the only reward you give out. Because yeah. then you diminish a big fact of the game. Because often, one of the things is rewarding your players makes them happy, right? That, that it, it, it shouldn't just make them happy, it just makes them happy. Yeah, yeah. Your yeah. players doing something, killing a monster, for example and then getting rewarded for it. Yeah. That, that's what they want to do. They they do something to then advance the story, get loot, and move on, right? So yeah, <laughs> what is a reward? A thing given in recognition of service, effort, or achievement, right? That is kind of what this is. Your players do something in the game that reserves recognition, that where they put effort in, where they put time in, where they put service in, and they gain a reward for that. But often, doing the thing itself already is part of the reward for the players yeah because they can enjoy the game playing it yeah or actually yeah. playing it is already a reward for the players and then getting a reward for the player characters also feels good because this makes everybody happy and you're good to go exactly so moving on Niels um yes what type of rewards are they even because that that is something we still need to discuss especially for ttrpgs what yeah. type of rewards are there there are a lot of different types the first big one obviously would be treasure being it gold mm -hmm. gemstones any sort of thing with monetary value basically being it uh, gemstones mm -hmm. art pieces gold pieces or whatever magic items even mm -hmm. but items can be a different type of reward as well yeah but fit under the same category as treasure mostly all physical rewards are kind of have obviously have some kind of monetary value but basically all of these things that you just find that are either gold equivalent to gold are just treasure and then magic items obviously sometimes fit into treasure but sometimes also don't but generally exactly. magic items are just the next type of reward they 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 fit to treasure but they aren't just treasure they are also power-ups basically they yeah. power up your characters right they're a part of treasure but not just treasure yeah yeah exactly um another thing is <laughs> the age-old level up of in in D, D or right character advancement yeah in however the game you're playing does advancement that is a reward Every time. Every time we enter the Indie stage, my players ask, do we get a level up? Especially if it's been a longer time for them to get a level up. Oh, yeah. And if I deem that they've done something, finished up a few things, did their service that reserves recognition, yeah, obviously they get a level up. Why shouldn't they? And how much fun is it as a player to level up your character? Yeah, exactly. It's the also it's the perfect way to end the session, in my opinion. Yeah. Leveling up your players at the end of a session going... Hey, you guys, you finished something, you gain a level up. I mean, that's a good feeling in the end. Oh, yeah. You just and then you look see forward. your character getting stronger. Yeah, stronger, I better, and power up. You can yeah. watch it and 
do the thing that levels them up or takes them to yeah. another level. Yeah, 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 yeah. Also, then, rolling for HP is, for example, very fun. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> no, except when you roll a one, sometimes. I mean, I have a reroll once, uh, yeah. homebrew rule, but um, Same, yeah, that's. But it's not the norm, I would say. It's not the norm. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, also the thing is, it keeps your players wanting to come back kind of right because now the characters are level stronger and they want to use the new feature they got and i think dnd does a good job of that because Mm -hmm. there are very few levels where nothing changes about a character yeah and that is a good way to make sure that every advancement your players get feels like they get something be it new spells which every spellcaster gets with every level up basically be it new features be it um new ability scores be it right you get so much and dnd does a good job of that in my opinion oh yeah every level up feels right Mm -hmm. like there is not too much in one level up and then nothing in the next few but spreading it out a bit yeah, 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 yeah. Obviously, the level uh, three mark in D and D is pretty important because the whole subclass thing, and then level five because extra attacks, third level spells, and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. But level two and four don't feel completely unnecessary mm-hmm. though, because you still get some shit there. Yeah. There's still something. Yeah. I think new. until level five. Every level feels like a very, very good level up. And those are the five levels that people mostly play on. I think that's even like that in that range, that's 70% of all the D&D Beyond characters. Oh, yeah. So that is roughly around 70% of the D&D characters that get played. So, yeah, um, that is the range you want to reward people, especially uh, especially against later levels, like if level 17 isn't as rewarding as 16 and 18 and doesn't feel good, that is still okay because at that point you've been rewarded so often through your level up. But yeah, another thing would be boons. Feats, for example. Feats are, are a boon, more or less. You could yep. grant your players a feat for doing something, even without an ability score improvement where they can choose one if they want to. Um, when a guard comes down or when, when a terrestrial creature comes down and says, hey, you, you've been my, you are now my champion. I give you the lucky feat or whatever, right? You, yeah. There's a lot of things where you can you reward your players with either temporary bonuses or permanent bonuses that aren't actually kind of part of the game. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, feats are an optional rule, right? They, they aren't really part of the base basic D&D you would play. So they are kind of a boon if you reward them outside of, for example, leveling. Oh yeah, and they can be a lot of fun because because mm-hmm. you can customize the boons according to the thing the players did to earn that. Yeah. And customizing it not just to the thing they did, but to the mm-hmm. player or mm-hmm. the player character mm-hmm. itself. Yeah. To and just think, make it fit perfect. Yeah. And all of these rewards we talked about until now kind of are have kind of stats. Right? For example, mm-hmm. a gold piece isn't a plus one to your damage, but a gold piece is still trackable. Some other things might not be as easily trackable, at least in D&D. Shadowrun is one of the first examples I can think of. Oh, has, yeah. a, has a way of tracking alliances, friendships, and allies, right? Oh, yeah. um, with its um, street fame or whatever they call it, right? Some games have that. D&D doesn't, other games don't. don't. Yeah, contacts. Um, basically, allies, alliances, and friends are great rewards for your players if they fit because they, in my opinion, these are the rewards that enhance your world as well. Because if your players gain an ally in a powerful nation, for example, they get access to that nation. Oh, yeah. 
And that allows you to bring a lot of the world building you want to do. or uh, It makes the world deeper because you can now with your players explore that nation. Oh yeah, and having allies or NPCs mm. or NPC connections as rewards also leads to different type of reward which is often overlooked in my opinion okay information secrets knowledge leads story hooks anything like this mm -hmm. that isn't really trackable but yeah. gives players new options to do things mm -hmm. whatever they want to do mm -hmm. for example yeah. if you plan a heist and they have a ally in the city building department they may get the blueprint of mm -hmm. the whole um, structure yeah which might help Without this, they wouldn't. Yeah. Another reward, for example, or example for information, secrets, and knowledge is when their players finish a dungeon, they gain the knowledge on how to destroy an ancient creature that has been awoken and starting to kill citizens in yeah. around the country in form of an ancient scroll or an ancient book or whatever walls, uh, wall paintings, whatever, right? But they gain this knowledge, and now that is that knowledge is a reward that is now can now be used to advance the game advancement in the game is off is always a reward for your players and how fun is that as a dm if you give out information as a reward and then just it just make click yeah. with the player character uh, with the players they just figure everything out put it together and you are just sitting there like yeah good job thanks yeah. you just rewarded me with your reaction yeah um basically Another thing is access to new points, faster access to already known points, transportation, right? Mm. Not even not only a new mount, but access to teleportation circles that allow your players to skip travel. It's also, it, it sounds a little bit um, weird at first, I would say, but it actually, when you think about it, is a great reward for your players. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. And I think access to faster teleport uh, or faster transportation, like teleportation circles in D&D, would be fame or renown or a title or some sort of influence over something or someone, which could also be a good reward. Oh, yeah, 100%. A noble title is a heckin' awesome award, uh, reward to give to your players. Mm -hmm. How mm -hmm. awesome do you feel? You start off as a farmer and suddenly you are a noble, a knight, a lord or whatever with mm -hmm. the... Regarding property mm -hmm. that comes with the title, mm -hmm. also a great reward. Yeah, yeah. Give the players a home base in a city they uh, do a lot of things in, where they can plan stuff. They now have a house they can customize. They can plan things in. Invite allies, NPCs, or enemies over for discussions and talks. There's just uh, so many things. There are just so many things that you can do with property and titles and fame mm -hmm. and renown. Mm -hmm. One thing I want to add on to this list I didn't tell you about because I wanted to surprise you is mm -hmm. one of my favorite rewards. It's closure to something. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, players that having a personal reward. quest. Finishing that personal quest isn't really a physical reward or even one of the intangible rewards we talked about, but mm -hmm. it's just a reward that happened over time. It's the time they put into finishing that quest closing that quest more or less yeah or ending the campaign that is a reward in itself yeah we made it guys we did it i mean the cheers you have around the table that should be reward that is that is exactly the feeling you want to have with a reward so closure of something is a reward oh, and yeah. this is why i don't like endless campaigns i 
don't like campaigns that run on forever because I want closure at some point. At some point, it feels right to have closure for my characters yeah. or myself and, as a player. And as you did with the Witcher mini campaign that we did, after we finished our campaign we all had the ability to tell you what is going to happen with our characters we mm -hmm. could shape the yeah. rest of the our lives of our characters like we wanted the to. quest was done right i, I didn't yeah. have to, like your characters could still go on a different quest but we didn't have to play that quest exactly. because the quest we did was done and that is why i love ending campaigns i don't do it too often because often my play campaigns run for for a year or two or maybe even three that is long yes but there is still closure there is still closure in story arcs and character arcs and at the end the campaign hopefully but shorter campaigns give you that closure way more often and th that's why i know a lot of people like short campaigns because they get to finish them oh yeah that is a reward if you think like that needs to be a reward yeah, it, it just needs to be part of the whole thing, finishing stuff. Even if, if even if it's a TPK at the end, there's still closure, kind of. Yeah. The characters have come to the end of their story. Exactly. And that feels rewarding, because you can now look back at the games you've played and say, well, I still had fun. That still was a reward for me. And that's why the game itself is a reward. Playing itself is a reward. Yeah. So, Nils. I want to ask you, after we've talked a lot about what type of rewards there are, why are rewards even necessary? I mean, we glossed on that fact, but can you put it down into hard points? Why are rewards necessary? Or are they? I think they are. They are really important because they secure the fun at the table, secure the story advancement or character advancement, mm -hmm. and just keeps pushing the game forward on its own because players are incentivized mm -hmm. to keep pushing their limits and keep pushing the story forward mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. get rewards again mm -hmm. and again mm -hmm. and again mm -hmm. yeah that would be the yeah boiled down version I, I would definitely say that rewards are also necessary because when you look at the types of rewards anything is a reward your, your players will make their own rewards anyway right they they might find their own settlement and base they, if they find an abandoned house they can just say well this belongs to us and you as the gm have little say over that it's also their game right it's not only yours it's your players as well and they get a say in that and that that is why I think rewards are important, but you shouldn't think that you need to reward your players for everything because that can get to other problems real quick. Yeah, if you reward your players for everything they do, how minor it may be, diminishes the value of the other rewards that you give out. Yeah, yeah. If you 100%. hand out level ups like candy, it doesn't feel impacting enough. It doesn't feel earned. Exactly. Your players didn't earn it. And if they didn't earn it, it's not going to feel rewarding. Right. Remember what a reward is. It's something that is supposed to reward a service, a deed done or someone's time spent and their effort. If they know that there isn't any effort, it can't be a reward for them. Exactly. Um, so, Nils, we've talked a lot about this, but haven't really actually put it down when should one give out rewards and who should give them out basic thing or the most common thing would be after they finish the quest the quest giver should give out the reward Th this is the basic quest structure you take yeah. a quest with someone mm -hmm. do the thing get back and get paid yeah that, 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 that's the basis of it and i think you can apply this principle to everything even if there isn't a quest giver there's still a quest more or less 
Yeah, and the can, quest it needs to have a reward in it. Exactly. You can, but, but you can metaphorically set something, whatever it may be, as the quest giver. Mm-hmm. Being it, the dungeon just being there is now the quest giver. Yeah. With, with then rewarding you with information after mm-hmm. you finish the dungeon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, folks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, yeah. Every time your players do something that should be rewarded. I would say reward them. Yeah. That, that is, if you feel like your players earned a reward, reward them. One of the things is, I know my players do this as a joke, but I, I can still sense, for example, when we're talking about level ups, they ask every session, level up, level up, level up. And I know they do this as a joke. Even after the first session, they've been leveled up, right? They do it as a joke. They know that yeah. they're not going to get it. But at some point, I can feel that they want one actually. And that is something you need to sense as a DM. You need to have a feeling for when your players need a reward. Yeah. Rewards are needed, right? We, we talked about that they are necessary to to ensure fun to ensure advancement and you need to sense at what point your players feel like they should be rewarded because that is the point you need to reward them this is not a job or something you right you don't have to play by rules of company structure that your players can only be promoted after three years of service to the company no reward them when your players feel like they've done enough work to be rewarded you should also reward them because this is for fun and rewards are fun and if you don't reward them that is the only way rewards aren't fun and you have to with that you have to balance the act of handing out rewards like candy and not handing out rewards at all you have to walk this line it can yeah. get tricky at some points. Yeah, I, I think especially generosity in rewarding is mm-hmm. a big point for me because, okay, it's well, how generous are you with your rewards? Tell me. I would say mediocrely, mediocre, generously. It is, it's hard to describe. I, I like to give my players enough money they, that they can do stuff that they want to do without overshowering them with gold pieces so they are, they c- could just buy the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, They don't have to worry about having a, a roof over their head if they want to go in a, into a tavern. But if they spend all their money on magic items, they don't have the money to spend the night. But they would have it, technically, or theoretically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in items, I don't hand out too many items, I think. Mm-hmm. What I like to do, or what I started doing, is creating magic items for my players that level up with them so i don't have to hand out multiple items but i hand out one item and whatever quest they did to level up this item levels it up Mm -hmm. making it Mm -hmm. more intense giving the sword suddenly a plus two or a bonus effect or fire Mm -hmm. damage or Mm -hmm. whatever Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say I am pretty generous with the rewards I hand out. Um, I <laughs> Matt from Abyssal Bruce was on Why Your World Matters 2 and said something that really stuck with me. And that was this, that he's pretty generous with magic items. He's also a magic item creator. If you don't know him, go follow him on Twitter at Abyssal Bruce. He and Fernando make great items. But generally, he hands out a lot of items. Or he's pretty generous with the items he hands out. They are powerful and he hands them out pretty regularly or something. Generally, generosity is a good thing. Because if you give your players a lot, they have a lot, right? But that also yeah. only means that you can do a lot. That allows you as a DM to do a lot. Yeah. Uh, if your players are level 4 and only have the fighting power of level 4, you, can, you shouldn't use challenge rating eight monsters but if your players are level four and have the fighting power of level six through magic items i don't know allies whatever then you can also use higher level monsters cooler monsters you can add to challenge rating four creatures challenge rating isn't a good rating but really you you have 
a lot of options then. And he said that his combats feel like laser tag. And I think that's a very good description of how fun combat should be. Everyone is hitting hard. The church is on fire and boom, the floor is caving in. There's an explosion in the distance of suddenly horses are running across the field, right? There's so much stuff happening. Yeah. And, and at the same time, your players deal like 50 damage a turn at level 7 and the monster does equal amounts of damage or equal share and it just feels like a fun great combat yeah and it just doesn't have to be just damage you can give your party items or things that give them options to do mm -hmm. weird and fun shit I mean, Matt also has a blog article about the myth of balance or something, and that balance doesn't really exist. It's also a good read. But one thing I still want to talk about is power creep. Because even though you shouldn't play a zero-sum game with your rewards, for example, that you only reward your players if you if, if you really have to, because there isn't really a, the, a difference or an opposite word to power creep, um, at least I don't know it, but generally, right, you don't need to keep your players always in a balance. You can have them stronger than they should be or a little bit weaker than they should be. Oh, it needs yeah. to fit your game, right? That's a discussion for session zero, maybe even. How many magic items do you guys expect? How many rewards do you guys expect? Do you want to have a low magic or high magic distribution? All of these things that at the end influence the rewards you put out are things you can discuss with your players. Maybe they don't want to have a lot of magic items. Maybe they want a lot of magic items. But you still need to think about power creep because if you give your players five magic shields the sixth magic shield they find won't be interesting to them because it does the same thing as the other five they already oh, yeah. have enough that is one thing you need to look out for but generally when you have power creep you don't want to overpower your players to a certain degree you want them powerful at least i want my players powerful and i and, and i would say that it's good to have players powerful because that Definitely. is fun yeah but that's the discussion right how powerful do you, do you guys want to be for session zero but the, you, you there's still a point where it gets too powerful yeah and i just thought of another reward type mm -hmm. regarding power creep mm -hmm. because if you just keep leveling up and keep the combat more or less challenging for the party mm -hmm. they don't they see big numbers but they don't feel them as big but if you suddenly at a throw four bandits at a three player level 14 party this just feels rewarding in the sense that they feel that they are mighty and powerful mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. a show of strength Exactly. This is a huge thing because it just yeah. shows them how powerful they really are. Yeah. Yeah. If a combat yeah. usually takes around four to eight rounds of combat. Mm. No matter how high in level you are, mm. it just feels like, yeah, you see big numbers, but it doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. But then you just suddenly throw in minor things like a bugbear or some goblins or whatever type of low range enemy there is, which they can just completely demolish. And Or if they want to just completely ignore. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. you hit me. Wow. Do, do your best. Yeah, one of the things we realized in our first day sessions is we had a, a tough combat last week and there was only one tough enemy and then the other enemies hit and they when we didn't parry their attacks because this game has an active uh, defense mechanic mm -hmm. and they hit you then they can deal damage and they deal damage and we were like wow they deal six points of damage we have five armor each that's one point of damage great try that 30 more times and you might actually make me scared yeah like that just sh showed us how powerful we are. they obviously also had their leader which dealt 
ooh, massive amounts of damage, and that was scary. But the the goons really didn't do anything, and and that showed how powerful we are. And showing how powerful they are is a reward. I agree totally. But Nils, yeah. I want to especially ask you: How do you deal with power creep? And I'm talking about the power creep that happens still in your game, right? You had the discussion about at what kind of arbitrary level you want to keep the power the power level you want to keep your players at. Mm-hmm. They 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 shouldn't have too many magic items for the amount of game the type of game you want to play, right? They shouldn't be too powerful or too weak for the type of game you want to play. But there is still a point. What happens if your players get too strong or too weak? What what do you do? If they get too weak, can always kind of pull uh, put in a sort of training arc sort of thing mm-hmm. to get them back on the power level. You can reward them basically, right? Yeah, exactly. Just we could, reward we just say them. reward them. Reward them with something that makes them strong. Yeah, but do it in a way that fits your narrative. Yeah, obviously. For example, if you find out your players are too weak and got beaten by the I don't know the first officer of your big bad mm-hmm. and you kind of had in your head that they would win this fight make a story arc out of this you feel beaten down but shit let's train to get better we need to stop this how can we do this starting to train getting magical items getting allies and something like this you can make a fun story bit out of this on the other hand if my players are too powerful i like to show them that they are still a big bad out there who could potentially deal with them more or less easily mm-hmm. and depending on the type of big bad i have it can lead to or it could lead to taking some magic items away for whatever reason or whatever sort of thing that they did to rid the players mm-hmm. of the magical item yeah I mean, one thing I realized for power creep is talk to your players, right? We say this all the time, but yeah, really, it's power creep. You you've agreed to a certain type of power level in the in the beginning of the campaign. Your players feel if they are too strong, they know it. And if you go to your players and say, "Hey, this is too strong. I might need to fix this a bit. Are you okay with that?" most players will be okay yeah i understand do what you must or do it i don't have a problem with that and and having that talk about power creep is okay if you just talk to your players you want to have a fun game and if the power creep is destroying your game which it often isn't actually but if you feel like it is that's the talk to have your your opinion as a dm about that is allowed to get hurt by your players and they are allowed to weigh in themselves. I feel like this weapon my mate has is powerful. I feel like I don't do any damage and he does three times the damage of mine. Either you give me a reward like that as well or whatever, right? Yeah. It, you need to balance and it need, everyone needs to be balanced the same. If you reward only one player and the other players aren't really on par with that, that's just going to feel frustrating to the others. So yeah, rewarding is a balance act. Like you already said, Nils, right? Yeah. Again, as with all balance act and TTRPGs, is they can always be solved with talking, with communication, with openness and kindness. And yeah. if you remember that, that is all you need. And yes, you can just throw big enemies at your players to take magic items away. That is totally fine. And players are fine with that. It's part of the game. As long as you don't do it like Deus Ex Machina this now happens because I want to. It should feel organic, but if it does, your players are fine with it. 
it needs a reason to happen. You, you, you take this powerful weapon away from the, from the player because it was too powerful, and now a quest begins to get that item back, and they get it back two levels later, where it isn't that OP anymore, and yeah. they can still use it because they like the weapon. Boom, right? Oh, yeah. Nothing bad about that. So, Niels, you talked about scaling magic items. Yes. I want to ask you, how do you scale rewards? Especially your magic items, for example, how do you do that? But also generally, how do you scale rewards accordingly? So you don't need, you, 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 you avoid power creep. I don't really have a system for it. I mm -hmm. just go with my gut. That's okay. If it feels right to give that amount of money out or that type of item out or these amounts of information out, I just do it. Or I consult other people beforehand that aren't part of the game mm -hmm. like sending you a stat block of a weapon i designed or talking about or with another dm about these and this and this is the situation how much information would be appropriate or something. creative dialogue right exactly. talking to this, others this is, getting opinions this is super important and i can just advise anybody if you want to create your own game, talk to others uh, who are creating games already or DMing games, or even if they are just players, just talk to someone about those yeah. things because this just sparks your imagination and I so gets often you thinking. talk to my players about the stuff that they are going to encounter without spoiling it. Like, well, I have this really cool magic item. Look at this. And he looks at it and knows he's going to get it at some point as the paladin player, but he can still look at it and say, that kind of feels wrong. I, yeah. I wouldn't do this, I would do fire damage. And he doesn't do this because he wants fire damage, but he does this because he thinks this would just make the weapon better and feel right, and, and that's okay. That's not a problem yeah. for me. And one of the other things is um, you don't you need to talk to people, necessarily. Talking to people is the best way because it's exchanging ideas, but you can also just get ideas from listening to others. Oh, yeah. Once again, listen to this podcast. You've been here for around 35 or 40 minutes already. So yeah, you're doing this. You get ideas from us, hopefully, but listen to actual plays that have that, that you like and you will evaluate that other dm style and find out how they reward their players and can get ideas the, the magic items they create could be inspiration for yours look at magic there are so many magic item creators out there abyssal brews just because i like them the most they create awesome stuff look at it and oh, yeah. make your own make your own for your own home games that is great um obviously don't plagiarize i mean especially if you're gonna release it to the public yeah, don't just but... copy matt's items i don't advise for that but if you have your home game take matt's items and change them up a bit to scale them up I, I am sure matt has no problem with that if you do that for your home game it's your home game he doesn't have a way to say no to that yeah and i think especially that's why he creates those oh right? yeah to be used they are there to be used not to be plagiarized that that's just wrong and awful but use them in your home game because that's mm -hmm. what they are for yeah um one thing i want to still talk about is you glossed on it rewards need to fit right yeah they need to fit the characters the game the story the world they need to fit the whole package you, you don't want to place the knowledge of gods in a temple built for demons and maybe you can if the campaign is about the fights between demons and gods and it fits. But you don't want, you, you get the idea of you don't need to just jam a reward in there and hope it yeah. fits. You need to make it fit. That's why I don't like treasure tables. Yeah, I use them as inspiration for what could be in this dungeon, but I don't want to have random rewards 
yeah, it just feels weird because, for example, if you fight a wizard in his tower, why would a wizard have an unenchanted plate armor just sitting in his treasure hoard? Oh, yeah, exactly. Right? He can't use that. He can't even use it and he wouldn't. Why would he have that? Yeah, 100%. You can you still use it with hinting to other things the wizard was connected to, but that's another thing. Mm -hmm. Then it fits again, right? It's exactly. about fitting it. Exactly, but... Just a random-ass wizard sitting in his tower, brewing some potions and discovering and creating new spells probably wouldn't have an unenchanted or even an enchanted plate armor. Why would well, he? Well, maybe he, if he's a magic item creator, right? Again, exactly. you, you, can find, you can find so many points why he would have that armor in his tower. But if there, yeah, are no, if, if, but if there aren't any hints to that, why is it there, right? Exactly. One, one thing I want to say to everyone, make your own rewards. Yeah. Tailor them to the players. Tailor them to the experience. And no one in the world can give you the perfect tailored items. The only person that can is you. Start homebrewing the items. Who cares if they're overpowered? You can balance later. You don't need to balance perfectly. You can ask the internet. You can post on Reddit. Hey, is this too much? They will tell you if once he's... You can post on Twitter. People will tell you. Often you can ask people, hey, is this too strong? Can I get an opinion? Oh, yeah. And they will give you one. And critique can be harsh. Yes, I know. But really, it's for fun. Don't let it... Don't don't let it get to you if someone says your item is bad or shit. Then they didn't have anything really to add in value. Just ignore them. You exactly. you won't lose anything of it. If the item is too OP after after you've had it for two sessions at your chaos, ask the character or the player, the item is too strong. Can I nerf it? And they, and they will often say, yeah, sure. Because they want you to be happy as well. And if your monsters all get destroyed, you might start feeling unhappy as a DM. You can nerf the item. Yeah. Um, but one thing I want to say really badly is go, don't work against the rewards. Don't do it. If you give yeah. your players something, a flame tongue rapier, balancing that is a different question than working against it. But if you give your players a flame tongue rapier and then actively make that reward of the flame tongue rapier useless, why did you give it out? Exactly. Why did you give your players the feeling of, cool, I have something new, I can now have fun with this, and then you only present them with monsters that have fire immunity? Why would you yeah. do that? Once or twice, totally okay if it fits the game. For example, a completely different example, what I did was I gave my one of my players a flame tongue rapier, and the next monsters, the next two monsters he fought were a troll and a hydra. Both monsters oh, yeah. that where, where fire damage is crucial to the combat. And why did I do that? Because first of all, I love both of these monsters and they fit the narrative. But secondly of all, because he could use his fire weapon. Yeah. Why would I put a red dragon in front of him when he gets the fire weapon and I know he's useless now? Why would I do that? That's just against the core tenet of having fun together. Exactly. And it's again, if you give your players than encounters that where they can utilize the new things they got. It's just another reward showing them how powerful they really are mm -hmm. if they can do mm -hmm. it. One thing we still need to talk about real quick at the end is the influence of rewards. Rewards need to have influence, right? That's why you don't work against them. That's why I gave my players a troll and hydra fight after I gave the flame tongue rapier out. Yeah. There needs to be an influence because just getting a reward isn't enough, right? 
We talked about a lot about that giving out a reward is cool and what you should do. But giving out the reward itself isn't enough because your players are will realize if the reward is useless that the that that whatever you rewarded wasn't a reward. Rewards <laughs> need to have influence, right? If you get promoted in the real world, that influences your pay. You will get paid more. You might get more oh, yeah. days of vacation. That is an influence of having a promotion. That is an influence of the reward of the promotion. You can say yes, it's part of the uh, reward, but it's actually also an influence. Having more vacation days, you can use to um, spend more time with your family. You can spend time uh, on vacation, right? Yeah. That that is an influence, and that influence is felt by people and oh, that yeah. influence just translates to the game you need to influence uh, you need to have influence for the rewards yeah especially regarding the fame and renown title type of reward if you as a noble lord walk down a city in a, uh, the streets of a city the people will treat you with the respect you deserve or should some may start some weird thing there because of that because of you being a noble but the city guard will uh, probably wouldn't disrespect you in the way they might have done once mm -hmm. because of the way you've been rewarded with titles influence over yeah. city guards people or whatever mm -hmm. yeah and i think this about wraps it up about rewards right kind of yeah yeah it does i mean one thing i have to say maybe maybe i maybe it's a hot take maybe i don't know but i believe because especially with the last things we said now is rewards also can be and kind of should be forgotten what i mean with that is your players are supposed to surprise you as the dm i want them yeah. to surprise me if i give them a weapon or an item and they don't use it and i forget it oh yeah and then they use it against me that feels good oh yeah i like that i, I like being outplayed more or less and yeah. forgetting some type of reward i gave them is good for example i gave them a key that can open very specific doors and then i forget about that key because they never use it and then i suddenly i put some of these doors in there and now they have the key and i like okay i had a whole challenge prepared and you just yeah. get like one of the most fun one rewards i can think of is um a genie lamp mm -hmm. give your players a genie lamp you have three wishes now or basically you give your players three wishes not the spell wish but general wish for example and they don't use it and you forget the wishes and at some point they're gonna wish i wish to know this boom and then they say well ha i use this very specific thing you forgot about it deal with it dear yeah that th that is obviously is a shock moment and it feels like okay now i need to think and yeah it can it can take some time but it's a good feeling for the players and for you when you embrace oh, that yeah. And especially the more creative the use of those forgotten items might be, the more rewarding it feels for the DM, or at least it f does so for me. If I give them an immovable rod, for example, and I forgive about this, and they use it to, they just buy another one and they just use it to climb up through the air without anything. That's a lot of fun. Creative uses of items or completely changing the idea that the item was supposed to be can be a lot of fun, but a tough improvisation challenge for especially new dms mm. but if you do it it's a lot of fun yeah I just recommend it it's just yeah heckin fun to see what players what weird shit players come up with if you give them generally or general items with no specific purpose and then they find their own purpose for this item it can be a lot of fun mm. but to recap 
basically. A reward mm -hmm. is something that is given out as a as in recognition of a deed done, a quest done, or a thing that the players or the characters did that deserves recognition. Yeah, recognition for something they did. Exactly. You have basically everything to play around with as a reward. Like treasure, level up, boons, allies, NPCs. We talked about all this. A lot of different shit you can do. Rewards are necessary in the way that they are keeping the engagement at the table high mm -hmm. and the ideas that players may, might get from mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. And don't give out rewards as, like they were candy, but don't uh, do, also do not give out rewards not at all. You have to find the balance between those two. Yeah. And keep the power creep in mind, but make them feel powerful without making them feel too overpowerful. Ba basically, right, balance it however you want. And every problem that arises with balance, too much or too less, or not enough rewards, can be solved with talking, with communication, with... Right? Being open about it. And yeah. And then make the rewards fun. Yeah. Boom. That That is all we can say. Um, Make your own rewards. Make sure that they feel right. And then just go for it. Exactly. And with that, we are at the end of our episode. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DoubleDMPod. You can visit our website at www.doubledm.com. And you can donate to us on Ko-Fi. And with that... Thank you for listening. Hear you on the next one and bye-bye. Bye-bye.